Put your bags down and pull up a seat. You are listening to Stay A While, the podcast with Tommy Vincent. We could talk loud, we could smile, keep it real, and it's all good, yeah. Come on and stay a while. Wherever you are, pull up a seat to the table where we not only serve food for the soul, but provide you with the key ingredients to embracing your true, authentic self. So, Troy Vincent, he is my person. I believe that everybody in this earth has a person. They may not recognize it or interpret it the way that I do. But when Troy came into my life, I was so lost. He loved me in a way that I'll just be honest, I didn't feel like I deserved. My self-worth was the lowest that could be on a barometer. And I thought it was just so amazing or actually felt really strange that, wait a minute, he loves me in spite of. His belief in me actually lit the fire and it gave me the courage to start the journey of exploring who I am. So God really used Troy to cause me to awaken Throughout my process of learning and growing and becoming, I went down a lot of roads and and he not once questioned what I was doing. He not once inserted himself into the equation to try to, you know, tell me what to do or what not to do. He gave me the space to grow, to learn and become for him to be the first guest of the first season. I would not have it any other way. He will always and forever have a seat at my table. On the table today, we're serving up faith and perseverance with a very, very special guest, NFL executive and the most decorated to have played the game, my boo, Troy Vincent. It's no secret that 2020 tested us all. But the good news is we're still standing. The truth of the matter is, this won't be the last time we're tested. When times get rough, it helps to hear from someone who has been through the fire and has the medals to prove it. Listen, after 28 years of marriage and parenthood, we definitely have some wisdom to share. But before we dig in, I want to officially welcome you to my table. This is the first ever episode of Stay A While. So allow me to introduce myself, because now that you're at the table, we're family. Well, I'm Tommy Vincent, chef, wife, mother, and a woman of God. But I'm more than what you see on the surface. Child, I've lived and am still learning. And through those experiences, I've encountered so many women who have faced unforeseen obstacles and have turned those obstacles into stepping stones. And I want to share those lessons and experiences with you. To learn more about me, you're going to have to stick around for the ride. Now you see why you're going to have to stay a while. 
This podcast was created to shine a light and be a mirror. My hope is that the seeds and nuggets from my guests will leave a lasting deposit that will manifest a harvest in your life. I'm so excited to go and grow on this journey with you. So meet me at the table and don't just drive by. Stay a while and marinate on these conversations so they saturate your spirit. So I hope you're ready for this soul food. And once again, welcome to my table. So now that you know a little bit about me, how about we get into this episode? Joining me at the table. Taking a seat at my table. As I always do. (laughs) Is someone so special to me. I call him my person. It is the love of my life, Troy Vincent. Lord have mercy. (laughs) I'm at the table listening. Feed me. So Troy is a 15-year NFL legend, and he is the current Executive Vice President of Football Operations at the National Football League. Troy is the most decorated NFL player to ever have played the game. He is the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year recipient. In addition to those accolades, he's also been recognized as Ebony Power 100, Ebony 50 Most Influential People in Sports, and Savoy Magazine's Most Influential Blacks in Corporate America three times. Troy is also the recipient of the Jefferson Award, which is considered to be the Nobel Peace Prize for Extraordinary Community Service and Making the World a Better Place to Live. Now, I've saved the best for last. He is the father of my five phenomenal children, Desiree, Troy Jr., Tehran, Hadassah, and Tanner. Oh, I'm their daddy today. Yeah, okay. today you're their daddy. Okay. Right. And then uh, we also have four beautiful grandchildren, Avea, Layla, Rosie, and Troy Third. Without further ado, at this table, we got my man, Troy Vincent. What an introduction. <laughs> and the husband of Chef Tommy V. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm I'm really excited about this conversation. Like I said at the top, I consider you my person, but I I want the audience to understand what what does that mean? Why is Troy my person? And before I talk about the interview questions, I want to ask you a few questions that make my soul jump. We're going to talk about some food. Let's go. So, what dish best describes your personality and why? Mm, there's a few, but I would say the shrimp and grits, that that blend of the Southern cuisine, uh, my favorite grits with the gravy on top of the grits. I think that best describes me because it's a little combination of everything. <laughs> <laughs> it brings back so many memories. So is there a recipe that is special to you and why? I, I would say of late, that one would be the the recipe because it's yours you've made it your own we've talked about it we discussed it we we kind of had it one day on a date and then you came back and you you produced something and made it kind of ours our families that I take credit for when I talk about it publicly <laughs> but that's a good thing 
But that one is one because everyone that has had an opportunity to taste or endure that that meal or that recipe, they all say the same thing. When's she going to come do it for us? Mm-hmm. I, I can't. Is she cooking that? I, when you invite them over, we invite them to an event. The first thing they ask, she's going to do them shrimp and grits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, how about a moment in your life where food was healing for you? The meal that you ate, it just it just made life so much better. Well, I would say throughout my life, meals have been that kind of, you want to call it therapy. Um, on Sunday, uh, growing up, grandma cooked every Sunday and every week, even though it was normal, there were things up and downs during the week that you just look forward to Sunday, seeing everybody in whatever state they were in. That's mom, cousins, uncles, brothers, nephews. But then it was those sweet potatoes. Some call them candy sweets. Some call them candy yams. But the sweet potatoes, the greens, the macaroni and cheese, the the rice with the gravy, those Sundays. And it's something that you've carried on in our family as part of our family tradition, a nice, warm Sunday meal with the family. I knew when we were dating how significant those meals around your grandmother's table meant to you, going to your grandmother's house and experiencing that type of fellowship. I knew that was important to you. So it was important to me. And so as we move forward in our marriage, that was one of the things that I knew was going to be a tradition that lived on in our home because marriage, from my perspective, I definitely have my needs and my desires, but I'm in a partnership with you. And so making sure that things are being done in the relationship that continue to bring you life. If I already know something that's doing that, why would I not carry that tradition forward? So so I would say this. One of the things that I appreciate is and not you don't know what will carry on in your relationship. And as we matured. It was the one thing during that time in my life as a teenager, as a youth, it was the one day of the week where I knew I would see everybody. And then during the week, you didn't know if somebody was coming home, they weren't coming home. Did something happen to them with law? You just didn't know. But on Sunday, right around after church, people start coming in one at a time. And as you began incorporating that in in our family, because sometimes during the week, I don't see the kids. Mm-hmm. They be they be hid in their rooms on their phones and doing their own thing. But I do know on Sunday, when, din- when dinner's prepared, everybody now migrates to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it's just great seeing everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So now let's get right into the meat of our conversation. So today's conversation is going to be a little different. This is the, the very first Stay a while podcast, and um, I wouldn't have it any other way because you are my person. What does that mean? So, my person, there was a point in our relationship when we first got together, to be very specific, that I did not know who I was. And I also didn't have a lot of confidence in why I was here on this earth. So, I lacked belief in myself. And not only did I lack belief in myself, I would venture to say there were people that had counted me out. Um, It was also very clear and noted that people did not believe that I was the right one for you. They got that one wrong. Despite everything you knew about me, despite everything that you heard about me, 
you chose to love me anyway. And not only did you make a decision to love me, you never judged me. And I felt that. But that was easy because it was about me making the decision. And what I saw was a beautiful queen from the very first time, even though you didn't like me teasing you. But when we got together, it was just like, okay, she's the one. When you just know it, I remember telling a couple of my homies, like, no, nah, man, she the one. I'm like, what are you talking about, T? And at that time, young, coming right out of college, I had just, I've had had enough. I was tired of dating, seeing people, lying. <laughs> and when I met you, and remember, I fell in love, which I thought, which is the most important. I fell in love with you without spending time with you physically. Mm-hmm. So we actually fell in love over the phone. So going back and forth over the phone and just through time, I was like, I love this girl. And then you weren't, you weren't get paying me much attention. So you remember I was calling you all the time. You were ignoring me. So I just knew at that time, and I shared this with, you know, with the fellas and at home, she's the one. I don't need to see anybody else. I'm done. Tommy is the one who I want to spend the rest of my life with. Mm-hmm. What was challenging for me in the beginning of the courtship was I had been involved in so many janky relationships. Not so many. Like I don't Me too. But the relationship that I was coming off of, it was not a healthy relationship. And your love was so authentic and pure for me. Like you just accepted me and received me just as I was. I really didn't know how to receive that. And vice versa. I was coming out of, you want to call them janky, Yankee, fanky, whatever you want to call them. But I, the same, I just knew there was a time in my life. I was, my grandmother was living with me. It was just time for me to get things right, stabilize my life. And I knew I need to stabilize my, my life with the queen. And I literally, it was like, she's the one. And you saw when we went, we went. So, mm-hmm. so that's our, our relationship started out. This is the visual that I have. I grabbed a hold to your coattail and and you pulled me along until I believed in me. You gave me the opportunity to mature and to grow. I mean, I was 19. I had experienced a whole lot in my life, but you gave me the space, a judgment-free zone just to become and evolve into the woman Um that started this process of where I am today. So I just want you to know that I really, really appreciate you. And I love you from the depths of my soul because I really don't know where I would be in my life if it was not for you. So you are my person. Well, thank you. And you are my, I guess my person too. If that's <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But no, but thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for the kind words and uh, we, I share the same sentiment. Uh, it hasn't always been easy. I was young as well, 21, 22. You tell me I was, nine, you know, you say you were 18, 19, but I was 21. So I was young too. So really the journey was you accepted me for who I was. And I had some challenges myself. So um, thank you. You're actually my boo. I don't want to say my person. <laughs> You're like my boo. <laughs> So here we let's let's get into it. When was the first time that you knew your faith was being tested? The first time I knew I was a child, I would say I had to be a teenager. Um, just not knowing 
what I would be, where life was going. Um, you know what? I had a visual one day when I was told that my mother had been hanging out with some of my friends. And I just didn't know how to handle that, had been spending time. So it really was a test of my faith, who I was, what I was anchored in, um, not believing everything that I was hearing or wanting to believe these visuals that I had in my mind. So it was a true testament of my faith. I was just leaning on the Lord. Mm -hmm. Okay, Lord, I know what you promised me. I know you told me who I am um, and what I'm going to be. And I'm just going to stand on your faith. Mm -hmm. Did you know as you were going through it or when you came out on the other side of it that this was a God moment for you? It was I endured that pain throughout. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just. I didn't know I was being challenged or tested. When I came out on the other side. Once I learned and matured in my faith, I, I realized that God gives me, gives us nothing that we can't handle. I would ask you that same question. Mm -hmm. When did you know in your life or what point in time in your life did you realize that you were being, your faith was being tested? So I didn't recognize faith as an actual tangible tool in my life until I was an adult. Mm -hmm. I had to, I had to grow in my relationship with the Lord, which was something that you and I committed to, you know, when we were, before we got engaged or before you gave me the promise ring. <laughs> I, always, I did give you the promise ring. I know Stop you it. Did. I know. Okay. So, um, so that was like the start of my walk. But faith itself as an actual tool, recognizing that faith was something that I could use to have victory in life. I was an adult. You know, I was some kids in. Um, so was that recognized on the, on the end? At the end? It was the backside. Or in the beginning? I would say it was the backside of the, of the first experience. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. When I this is the first time when I really pressed in and I just had a moment with God and it was you and I, I was pregnant with Troy. And I think I was seven and a half months pregnant and there was an event taking place in New Jersey and you and I were at odds with driving to New Jersey. And in that moment, I felt like I was being betrayed, like you were choosing you were choosing the the people having the event versus me. And so I and I remember I was in the day bed in the guest bedroom and I said, God, I don't want to be in a marriage where I am second. That's not acceptable to me. And which, what's crazy about that is I didn't even have a good concept of marriage. You know, my parents are still married, but the relationship was Always, there was always challenges in the marriage. So I really didn't have a good example of a healthy relationship. But I knew in that moment that I was not willing to be married and be second to anyone or anything. And I remember just crying out to God 
and having to exercise faith on how I was going to move forward with you in the relationship, trusting that God was going to make sure that I would never be second. So what I'm hearing is at that time, there was a lack of support. Is that what I'm hearing? You feeling as though it it challenged your faith, but me taking the event was first and not supporting you in your decision at that time or what you were thinking or wanting from a support standpoint Mm -hmm. during our relationship. When did you feel mature enough in your walk in faith, but the, the time where there was a lack of support? And then I don't recall, how did you address that either with, my, with, with myself or how do we address the support piece and you feeling supported? <laughs> so I, I remember I was in that room. and You was in that room a lot. <laughs> I was in that room and I had, had some onion and garlic potato chips. You know, I remember everything. And you came home from practice and you came in the room and we we talked right there in that moment and it was resolved. And the, the resolution, how you got to the resolution, I don't even know, but I know that your response to me was, we are not going to drive. You are seven and a half months pregnant and that's not fair to put that on our family, we're going to fly. So the, the, what your response to me indicated that I was first. I don't know the fallout. I don't know how that the, you know, what you had to go through to make that decision and communicate the decision you made. But I knew that I was number one. And that's how I know that was a faith moment for me because it was what I prayed. So I would ask this another question is good. Because now actually, I'm actually interviewing you because I, oftentimes we don't get a chance or you don't get a chance to share. But the one thing that I have really enjoyed about our partnership and our relationship, it's always been us. Mm-hmm. That journey of oneness, when we have our trials, our disagreements, there was never, well, I'm going home or I'm going to go stay with someone else. Were you inviting other people? What advice would you give to others who are navigating or having challenges in their journey to keep the faith? And I think the importance of you've always put a stake in the ground that it was about us and never about anybody else. Would you mind sharing? Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) (laughs) So. And I love that about you. I just completely love not involving other people, but that's a personal decision. Mm -hmm. So please share. So I grew up in an environment where everybody's business was everybody's business. Mm -hmm. And I saw relationships be torn apart as a a result of that. And also people began to have an idea about people that wasn't even real because it was based off of one side of a story and not both sides of the story. There was not someone being objective in that. And I knew that whatever happened in our relationship, that if it was not, if it was not going to work, 
it was not going to be as a, the result of somebody else interjecting their thoughts and opinions on what was happening in our household. I knew that. And so I made a deliberate decision early on in our marriage that I was not going to allow for anyone or anything to disrupt what you and I have going on. We work too hard. And even to this day, anytime we have a disagreement, I always put it through that filter. Is this something that is as a result of Troy and I having a disagreement? Or is this as a result of someone else's opinion, someone else's thoughts, someone else's actions causing turmoil in our relationship? And if it, it goes to the latter part where it's someone else, then I immediately cast down every thought that I have that's coming against you, who you are and who I know you to be. And I focus in on loving you because I need to immediately squash that foothold because when someone from the outside is trying to come in and destroy what we got going on, that is unacceptable to me. And I think this goes back to the foundation of our, our relationship, the oneness. Being Christ, being the center of our relationship so that when we disagree, which we disagree often, we don't always agree. We're not always in alignment. But who do we have to answer to? It's Christ. And I think we've always been that way to be able to set, okay, who's the judge? How would our Lord and Savior want us to handle this or to answer this? But you've been always intentional. Uh, I probably don't give you the credit or acknowledge that enough, but I appreciate that when we have our, again, our disagreements, we're struggling, doesn't matter what the the topic is, uh, you have... And I've, I've learned that from you, not to include anybody else. I don't talk about our issues, not that we don't have them, so that someone else can give me an opinion that's not a Christ, that's not something from God's word. Mm-hmm. So, Well, we've been deliberate about making sure that we do have relationships that can hold us accountable. Accountability we, partners. Absolutely. But we, we definitely monitor the fruit of the individuals that we go to. We're not definitely we're not going to get marriage advice from single folks. We uh, are not going to get advice from people about our relationship who are not somewhere in their relationship that we desire to go. I don't believe that people can take you anywhere they haven't been before. There has to be some type of familiarity in the situation for them to even recognize what it is that you're asking of them. And so we deliberately choose the relationships for ourselves as well as the relationships that we're willing to even allow for our children to be exposed to. One of the things that I I believe that we've done a really good job of is making sure that our kids interact with winners. And what does that mean? I'm not talking about winning by way of like everything that they do is successful, everything they put their hand to you know, it manifests what they desire. Winning is a mentality. It's a mindset. And so even when people get knocked down in order for you to be, to get back up, you have to have the right type of mindset to understand, okay, I'm going to draw from my well of faith and I'm going to use my past experiences to recognize that I've been here before. And if God did it for me, then he could do it for me again. And so we've been deliberate about making sure we place those kind of people around our children. And when we recognize 
that if there's a new relation that relationship that comes in that doesn't mirror that, we quickly make sure we address that and 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 weed those individuals out of our life. So I have a question for you. I wanted to ask you earlier, but I didn't want to disrupt you. What would you tell a younger Troy today in the journey? Mm-hmm. What would you tell him, tell me today, if there was something that you didn't share during our walk, during our journey, what would you say to him today? I would say to Troy, you don't owe anybody anything. And that what is happening in your life, there have been people that have sown a seed in your life to get you where you are today, but that was God, not them. And that you are responsible for being who God called you to be and created you to be and not who they say you're supposed to be. So no more looking back. It's time for Mm -hmm. us to look forward. That's what I would have told younger Troy. That's my (laughs) book. What what would you have told young Tommy? B, I, I would have probably, looking back on where we are today and just seeing this flower bloom, I would have injected, been more intentional about you being you much, much sooner. Knowing that there was this, this struggle, this fight, this insecurity, that rear view mirror, that was your, that was your fixture was mm-hmm. the rear view mirror. Absolutely. I would have said, we got to look at that windshield. We got to keep our eye fixed on the windshield, that windshield that's in front of us. So um, I would just, I would have, I, I would have injected more love, more confidence, more being. I've been much, much more intentional when you were in your twenties. Mm-hmm. You know, but Troy, I really, I have zero regrets about the journey because I know I'm not the woman I am today without having the opportunity to revisit some of those spaces in that rear view mirror. Because at the time in my life, those moments and those experiences felt like I would never make it through them. But I'm saying, imagine, just imagine where we would be if we took hold of those and we captured those things and we had full control over ourselves, and we weren't worrying about, uh, let's say the challenge and the things that, that haunted us. We would have 10 children, 15, 15 grandchildren. I'm just, but just, th- I just think about not that we're looking back and I, I don't, there's no regrets, but when you, when you reference, what would you share with me and what I would share with you? It would have been speaking life into you much, much sooner, but I I wasn't aware. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't as conscious. I was listening, but I wasn't hearing. See, we, we are, we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And that's how, when your steps are ordered, you're where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And so had I been where I am today in my twenties, I probably would have not, been able to deliver the same type of messaging and share with people the way that I share because I would not have gained that experience. Everything that led me to this point today, and that's why when I look back over my life, like today I'm looking back not from a place of looking in a rearview mirror 
I'm looking back because I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful of what I was able to overcome. It's continual evidence. Girl, you more than a conqueror. There's nothing that you cannot do. If you, anything I put my mind to, I know I could do it. I know I'm a winner. I know that, you know, I have the power to make a difference in the lives of others just by being, to your point, being who I am, just being. It gives me, um, I have, my confidence is now not even in me, it's in God. And I can see it in all of our children today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Was there ever a time you felt like you didn't have support? Was there a time where I ever felt like I didn't have support? Tom, you've always supported me. And sometimes I probably took advantage of that support because you didn't say much. You just let me be, Uh, whether that was on projects, hobbies, Mm -hmm. doing things at work. Um, Just you allow me to live out my dreams, my aspirations, my hobbies. I've always, the one thing I've always felt is 100% supported um, by you in every which way, shape, or form. Always. What about as a young person before you and I were in a relationship together? Was there ever a point where you did not feel supported? There was always, I've always had support. Um, we were, I was trying to make it. So, and everyone was trying to make sure that I had what, what at least was needed in my mind to make it. I was just, it was survival um, and getting out of harm's way. So from my grandparents, my mom did the best job that she possibly can do under her conditions. My grandparents did the best job. They, my godparents, I've had always had support, even those people in the community of, you know, from my early childhood to today. What advice would you give to someone who doesn't feel supported? What advice would I? So this is what this goes back to. And this is maturity. This is your relational maturity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's just so important that we ground ourselves into because, see, God says he's a God to the fatherless. He's a father to the fatherless. So what advice? But you got to be intentional. Sometimes it's a lonely world when you may be thinking one way. Everyone else is thinking another way. You may be living in a world that. In it's complete chaos. This is where you have to remain focused. You have to continue to dream because dreams are what drive you. Dreams is what motivates you. Be intentional about who you're with, what you watch. Because as I would say, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That starts in when you're mm-hmm. a t- that starts when you're a child. You show me your five closest friends, and I will show you your future. So that's the advice I would give to. To young people or give to my sons is you got to be intentional about your efforts. Um, you got to know that it's a lonely world, um, that everyone's not going to be in agreement with you, but you got to set your own course and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I recognize, even our listeners, their relationship with, with the Lord may not be what our ours is. And coming into a relationship with Christ is different for everyone. 
and also where you are in the course of that relationship is different for everyone. So knowing that there are people listening that that have no idea who Christ is from a, a practical perspective, you know, just some tips that you can give them, like their environment is not really conducive for thriving. You know, there's a lot of stuff taking place in their life that visually looks like I'll never be more than this. What tips can you give them? Well, you're not alone. I'm a perfect example of it because what you see today, that same environment where things just seem like they're always falling apart. And what you may see is we say, I know what I can be by what I see. And what I'm seeing is hustlers. What I'm seeing is the streets. I'm seeing blocks. I'm seeing guns. I'm seeing drugs. There is hope. There is a God. But we all have to do our part. It's all part of the journey. So we we advance in life as we, as I would say, life favors those who are prepared. Those are challenges. So where it may seem bleak, where it may seem like I'm never coming out, we have to use that. Those are those are qualities that people would, they just, the makeup of resiliency coming from out of that spot yeah. under those conditions are things that people in corporate America, what I've learned, they love those, those intangibles that you can only get from that experience, that toughness, the resiliency, the ability to get up, I mean, get knocked down and get back up, to be able to to have everything coming at you that doesn't make sense. The world says that he or she's going to be a failure and you survive. So that, that focus of here's the goal, here's what I want, and everything that you do, I was part of that. What does that mean? Give you an example. You're out playing ball. Street light flashes. The street lights on the poles in the park meant that it was dusk and it was about to be dark. So imagine your grandmother and grandfather coming, walking to the park and saying, Troy, it's time to come in. The street lights are on and all your buddies laughing at you. Man, you corny. Ah, you got to <laughs> go in. It's 730. Troy got to go in at 730 and you got to pick your ball up and you got to walk home. Everyone's humiliating you. You get up the next morning. You walk into school. The same jokers that you were playing ball with, they still in the park. They doing whatever they're doing, shooting dice, and you walking past them with the book back on your, on your, on your, on your back, walking to school, and somebody's teasing you. You have to be so focused, and just knowing that those hurtful things that are being said, that's okay, because the God that I'm serving, I know there's something here for me. You just have to be able to endure. Mm-hmm. You said something when you were talking that I love when I hear you convey this messaging um, to young men, specifically, you speak to a lot of young men, but it applies to anyone, how your story, the story of your life and your experiences is not a negative, but we've been conditioned, you know, when people are telling a story, like say of an athlete coming in, they like to say, oh, they came from a drug infested community. They you know, single parent home, all of these different things. And you, you shape that messaging for them to understand, no, those are qualities and attributes that make you, that make you more qualified. It's their qualifiers, not disqualifiers. Absolutely. And I think if we don't share that with our young men and women, that 
we allow those lies to really, they become footprints and they become real heart issues that don't even allow us to see the next day or what we can be. Mm-hmm. But that is what, and I hear these stories and once I hear it, I hear a young man say, man, I'm, I grew up and I'm sorry that my mom was this or this is the kind of community I was born in. Look, I didn't know any better. Most of us don't. This is just our environment. So, hell, we don't know what what, what they call upper middle class. I never even heard of that word growing up. This was my neighborhood. This was the way it was. And this is how it was. Until you start seeing different things, you get exposed to different things. You said, okay, if I want that or I want part of that life, there's things that I have to do to make those things happen. It's called a shared responsibility. We can't keep blaming everybody. Mm-hmm. I can't blame my environment all the time. I can't blame that my daddy wasn't here. I can't blame that my mama wasn't here. I have to have some responsibility and share in on that responsibility of what's better. What am I looking for? And then what did I do today to further me go towards, work towards that goal that I have. Mm-hmm. If we don't take on that responsibility, then we will will never become. If you keep projecting outwards the work that you need to be doing internally for you to come into that space where you recognize who you are and just how great you are, then you'll never become. And there is no fruit that's going to come from that but the fruit of bitterness. The more you blame, you point and you blame, the angrier you become and the more bitter, the bitter root judgment that deposits in you. And and there's no flourishment. There's no growth when you have weeds just that have infiltrated and infested you internally. There's no way. Tom, I, I would say this. When I was, I just wanted to just go back. When I was, as I remember my childhood, I was imagining all the time. The environment and the setup didn't allow me to have what, what what we would see places to go and practice. I was just doing it. It was something that was, it was therapeutic, taking a ball and dribbling around the different parts of the city for hours. Didn't know what I was doing, but I was just dribbling. Didn't have grass. There was no such thing as grass or where you go play football. I was playing football in between cars in, on concrete imagining doing certain things on a field that was an imagination. But reality was you walk out the house, 15 feet, you're in the streets. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no such thing as end zones. You had a stop sign and that's what, and you had cars in between that you were running into. So that you were just, and every kid can do that. Every, every kid can dream mm-hmm. and imagine. And that's what's, that's what's the beauty of the gifts of God, the imagination of which we all have, but we got to open this door for young people to see who they are and being who they are. Mm -hmm. Even though people mean well and we have support, sometimes there's a need to pull away and go through things on our own. Have you ever encountered that in your life? And did that prove to be healthy and beneficial for you? Absolutely. And I would just say, I would say to all, and the Bible talks about this, those that you began with, you typically don't end with. And as you go through different phases and chapters of your life, there are people that have been placed in your life for that time. 
You have to know. It's not about throwing anybody to the side, but you have to know when it's time to shed Mm -hmm. and continue to move forward. This is, again, not the point back to say people are not worthy, but no, oftentimes those that you began with are often those who you don't end with. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? I know through, through time and I would just, just based off of where you are today. And I've seen tons of people come in our life, come out of our life, come in your life, come out of your life. How have you been able to say it's time to let go? Or it's time, you know, it's time to move forward and move forward with these people. How do you separate the two? So let me let me just clarify something, because you said it like I just be like folks be coming and I'll be like, nah, (laughs) in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, I love hard. And I am extremely loyal. And I you tough is, (laughs) but go ahead. (laughs) I have. I have a capacity for my family. So the excess of that, I have to choose wisely where I'm going to share that because my family always and forever will be the number one priority. You and the kids, point blank, period, the end. So what is left over, the overflow of that, I have to make sure that the people that I am exchanging with, it's reciprocal. Because if I am in relationships that are only pulling and taking, then there's going to be a deficiency. And that deficiency is going to impact my husband and my children and myself. And so when I recognize that the relationship is not, you know, you might get into a relationship with somebody and in the beginning, because they don't know no better, that's how they, that's how they're, they move throughout relationships. They just take. But when we have that conversation about reciprocal relationships and there being an exchange and that doesn't start to happen, then I know I need to move on because if I don't, my family's going to pay a price for that. The development of my children, the health of my marriage, the health and well-being of myself is going to be negatively impacted. So what would you share to your listeners on how to go about that? Because I think people struggle with that because they don't want to leave anybody behind. They don't want to make people feel a certain way. What would you share to the listeners on how we say separating that wheat from the tear? Mm -hmm. How do you move on with those who began with you? So to your point, everybody is not going to move on with you. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be so focused on what's in front of you. See, that's the key. When you're looking forward, what's behind you and what's on the side of you is irrelevant. But when you know that you're on a mission and there's something great that is going to manifest in your life from focus, you recognize when something is causing you or pulling you in a direction counterproductive to where you desire to go. And so it's so important for you to be willing to draw the line in the sand without any hesitation. You have to remove your emotions out of the situation. Purpose has nothing to do with feelings. Which was the tough, what has been the toughest decision in your life around that, around separating? Can you give, can you give us an example of when you had to activate on one of the toughest decisions that you've had to make 
on separating from someone. Absolutely. So I've had to walk away from family members. I've had to walk away from family members. And that is completely, you know, even in, in, I'll say the black culture, we are, you know, family is family and we can't do nothing about it. We don't get to choose our family. And so we, we literally stay in abusive relationships um, to our detriment. We'll do that for our entire life. We'll stay in that. And I had to make a decision. There was, there's something, I knew that where I was, it was unacceptable and it didn't matter who it was. And for me, I was more focused on the purpose in my life and my, my children and my husband and myself that I recognize that if I continue to maintain these relationships, I will never be all that I am able to be. I'll never be that. My marriage, my children's development, it will never be. And I will continue to expose my children to what I know was not healthy for me. You know, we make exceptions in our family relationships. People that we know are no good. People that we know are hurtful and harmful. And we'll continue to um, allow our children to be in those relationships. And for me, that's a no-go. If you weren't healthy for me, you damn sure not healthy for my kids. And I just knew that it was it, it was necessary to make that decision. Now, when I saw that, I'm happy you shared because it gave me the strength to do the same thing. When I saw you cut the cord, I knew it wouldn't work unless I cut the cord. So you gave me the strength to do that. When I saw you firsthand say no, and it was direct family, it gave me the strength to go back and said, okay, I got to align with Tom. I got to be right where she are, right where she is. I know it's tough, but I got to make these calls. So um, I'm happy that you shared that. <laughs> My boo. Well, you know, I'm an open book and I am um, an open, open book when appropriate. Let me, let me clarify that. I don't just run around telling my my story. I know when to tell my story and when not to tell my story. And that's the beauty of a testimony. People have the ability to overcome by the words of our testimony. So if we share, then we have the ability to really make a difference and an impact in the lives of others. And so like I shared with you when we were just having our conversation before we started recording, I wanted to make sure that the listeners would have an opportunity to walk away from this relationship, understanding that the activation of faith is paramount to, to being able to move through circumstances and situations with our theme being through the fire. We've been through the fire and we came out without a stench of smoke. We are on the other side of a lot of things and we there, I'm sure we're going to have more challenges in life. That's just life. That's how you build your muscle that's how you graduate and matriculate through this thing called life because life is one big lesson until we leave this place. And I will forever be a learner of life. And um, it's never too late to transform your life. Like I hear people say things like, you know, oh, that's just the way they are. They too old. They stuck in their ways. That's that's. We all have the right, the option to choose to be better. It's a choice. No question. It's a choice. And I'm choosing life. I'm choosing me first. 
Me first. I'm choosing me first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boo. <laughs> and um, and then I am am I'm so committed. I'm so committed to our family and our legacy and leaving behind something for generations to come, not just monetary items and, you know, things that people place value on, but a value that no one will ever be able to take away from them. You cannot take away faith. When you pass the seed, you sow the seed of faith into your children. It will produce a harvest in their life. And so I want our children not to just be wealthy from, you know, having a good life monetarily. But what's more important to me is that they are wealthy human beings, their quality, the types of individuals they are and what they exhibit and what they bring into the earth. I want them to be assets to their communities and not liabilities. I love you. I love you, too. (laughs) But I I really enjoyed our conversation and um, I'm grateful for your transparency I'm grateful that you are my first guest. I think it's so fitting because this is something that you've supported me in from day one. What it, day one in our relationship, whatever I wanted to do. You want to go to cosmetology school? You want to go back to college? You want to go interior design school? Just go, school? girl. Just do whatever you need to do. Just get on out here do it. Go. But I'm so happy to see that you're being, that you're flourishing, that you are, you're being who Tommy was called to be. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful to watch. I just I just make sure I don't get in your way. But it's been it's been wonderful to watch the maturity and you work in excellence. You have your way on how you want to do things. Anyone that comes in contact with you knows that. But it's awesome because you work in, in excellence. Is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners that you have not had an opportunity to share with them? I think I've shared everything that um, just be, be who you are, love, extend love all the time. It starts with love and peace, but also know that in your faith, there's a warrior in you. It's that godly warrior. So not allowing people to take your kindness and that peace and love for granted, because that's, Christ asked us to extend extend love and peace. We come in love. We come in peace. But knowing that there's a godly warrior in in me, as well as there's a godly warrior in you. Well, thank you for those parting words. And thank you once again, Troy, for joining me, taking your seat at my table for the very first episode of Stay A While, the podcast with your girl, your wife, your boo, Tommy Vincent. I'm looking forward to coming back on the show. You're welcome anytime. Special thanks to my guest, Troy Vincent. For more on him, check out TroyVincent.com or follow him on all social platforms at symbol Troy Vincent Sr., Senior is SR. Don't be shy, y'all. Let me know what you think. Apple listeners, don't forget to rate and review. It means a lot.
You can also talk to me directly on Instagram at Chef Tommy V. And that's Tommy with an I. Don't wait until the next episode. Connect with me anytime. You will always have a seat with your name on it at my table. Come on and stay a while. Tommy V. Come on and stay a while.